This week, as I was driving around Richmond doing some pastoral visits, I saw a church sign. I find church signs interesting and often amusing. This particular church sign got my attention. In bold letters, it said, Having truth decay? I went by so fast that I couldn't read the rest of the sign, so I drove down the road, made a U-turn, and went back so I could read it again. And it said, having truth decay, brush up on the Bible. (laughs) Given my sermon topic, it struck a chord with me. Truth decay, I thought to myself, that's interesting. And then I immediately concluded, right, two words, truth decay, what two words better summarize some of the situations that we have going on in our society? We got more than three months to go on the presidential election and truth is very much at the heart of everything. Who's telling the truth? What is the truth? Where's the truth? She's lying. He's lying. Everybody's lying. With this week's incident involving four swimmers at a gas station in Rio, we again learn how truth can get twisted. Where's the truth? It brings shame and embarrassment to athletes and to international relations. Truth? Perhaps you occasionally read the Richmond Times-Dispatch that often runs that column called the Truthometer. Someone makes a statement and then the newspaper researches and then concludes whether the statement was true, uh, mostly true, half true, mostly false, false, or pants on fire lying. (laughs) It's a regular column in the newspaper. And then there's the favorite line from that film, that movie, A Few Good Men starring... uh, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, there's this scene, they're in a military court, a court-martial for a Marine, which gets into the complications of a war and the modern world, and that line, truth, you can't handle the truth. So the sign says, truth decay? Brush up on the Bible? That sign gives the message that in a world of lies, in a world of complexities, in a world of confusion, the Bible offers the truth. But this gets complicated too. Just a few weeks ago, serving on the administrative commission of the Presbytery of the James to deal with a church that wants to leave our denomination, our commission, which also includes a devoted member of this congregation, We went to visit with the session of a dissenting church down in the Northern Neck. And within five minutes, five minutes of our meeting with the session, trying to discern their reason for wanting to depart or divorce themselves from our family in the PCUSA, those of us on the commission were asked pointedly if we believed in the truth of the Bible. In other words, do we believe, do we believe the Bible like God made the world in six days and then rested on the seventh? Do you believe that? And then 
Do we believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, for example, and stayed three days in the belly of the whale? Do you believe that? These were pointed questions coming right at us. No sooner had we arrived at the meeting, truth was on the table. Or truth decay, maybe. What's the truth? Who has the truth? Who's telling the truth? This tense conversation made me think of my seminary professor, theology professor, who one day began a class asking the question, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in the Bible? Now look, we're in theology class. (laughs) We're on the campus of the seminary. And the professor is asking this question. And we're inclined to say, of course. Yes, we believe in the Bible. But then the professor urged us to think. Do you believe in the Bible? Or do we believe in God? Or do we, believe in the, do we believe in God and we believe what the Bible tells us, reveals to us, shows us about God? That little preposition in makes all the difference. The Bible is full of truths about God. But our faith is in God. So we believe in God and we believe what the Bible tells us about God But when we put our faith in the Bible, we may be missing out on so much truth. Obviously, it's not just truth that we want to know. There are lots of ways to view truth. So some of us very much want to argue that the Bible says Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, so that's truth. Do you believe it? That was the conversation in the northern neck. Others of us might want to say that the story of Jonah is such a deeply true story, wonderful and beautiful in every way, and it's full of truth about God, God calling us and never letting us go, God loving us and God forgiving us and forbearing with us, and all of it is truth. But that doesn't mean that every piece of the story has to be factually true, for the story to be true. So we have this word truth in this sermon series, which is the word of the week, truth. The Constitution of our Presbyterian Church, USA, states very clearly and very prominently among the opening words in the Constitution, the great ends of the church. The great ends of the church are these, the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. The shelter, the nurture, the spiritual fellowship of all God's children. The maintenance of divine worship. The preservation of truth. The promotion of social righteousness. And the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven for all the world. The six great ends of the church. Everything that the church does can and should be found in one of those great ends. Should be. And the fourth one is preservation of truth. Well, this is truth with a small t. And nowhere in the Constitution is there a definition of the truth. Nowhere. What are we to preserve? The preservation of the truth is our great end. 
What are we to preserve? What does it mean, the preservation of the truth? What is truth? What truth are we to preserve? Webster's Dictionary defines truth as the real state of things. Or the body of real events or facts. That's truth. The real state of things or the body of real events or facts. So, what are we as Christians, as the church, as Presbyterians to preserve as the real state of things? What are we to preserve as the body of real events or facts? And how do we avoid truth decay? I think truth, this truth, truth with the preservation of the truth has to do with the reality of God, maker, redeemer, and sustainer of all things. I would venture that the real state of things that we want to preserve is embodied in the statement, God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. That's from 1 John 4. The real state of things is bound up for me in Romans 8. Nothing, not height or depth, not life or death, not principalities or powers, not anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That sounds like truth to me. The real state of things that we want to preserve might be summed up in Him was life, Jesus, in Him was life, and the life was the light of all. The light shines in the darkness, and no darkness can overcome the light. That's from John 1. Those words and other words, and there are lots of them, point to the real state of things, truth for me. So I had an impromptu conversation this week about faith. Someone asked me, how do you know God is real? I paused for a moment, and I had to say, well, I can't prove it. I can't. But I certainly can share why I hold to certain beliefs and purposes in my life. Certain perspectives about God, I can share with you that. God's love comes first. That's what we just celebrated at baptism. God's love claims us, covers us, holds us before we even know our names. God promises to be with us every step of the way. I'm your shepherd. I will lead you always. God's love will never let us go, no matter what happens to us. This is what frames my life, I was trying to say in this conversation, and I give my energy to trusting God and God's presence and promises and serving God with my life. I give my days to living under God's promises And in God's presence and seeking to follow Jesus, this is what shapes my life. And I link my life then with people in this community in downtown Richmond and link it with people all across the ages who've made the same kind of affirmations of faith and sought to live faithfully as Christians. Life is hard. Life comes with struggles. Life can get very full of setbacks and difficulties. And for all of us, this life is going to end at some point in death. 
But we, as Christians, we keep going to the cemetery and standing at the graves of people we know and people we love, and we keep affirming that in the midst of life and in the midst of death, our God reigns, and death is not the last word, and despite every hardship and every loss and every setback, God prevails. That's what we say. This is what we live into. God's light shines in the darkness. Life begins with God and life ends with God and all of life is enfolded in God's care. This is what's true for me. This is a truth we seek to preserve, the preservation of the truth in this complicated and confusing world. We hold to the truth. And then, when truth is preserved and truth is lived, this truth It tends to shape our lives, our daily living, gives us a framework, a focus, a a perspective. And you know what? God cares how we live. It matters a whole lot to God. In our first lesson, if you were listening from Jeremiah 5, we get a reminder of the importance of living in and preserving the truth. The prophet Jeremiah lived at the beginning of the 6th century B.C., These were very troubling times. Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem at the beginning of the 6th century B.C., everything that could go wrong was going wrong. The Holy Land, this cherished territory that God had given to faithful people generations before, was being split up and around 590 or soon after that, 587 B.C., it was about to be taken over by a massive evading army coming from the, the east, the Babylonians. The land would be theirs. The king, this king who had been put in place by God some generations earlier, even with an everlasting promise that he would rule forever on God's people under God's care. The king was about to be overthrown. And the temple, this massive, beautiful structure in the middle of Jerusalem, built as a prominent reminder of God's presence in the midst of God's people, was about to be sacked. 587 B.C., very troubling times coming about. So Jeremiah seeks to warn the people. He's the prophet. The truth covers their lives. They're to be preservers of the truth. But you would never know it by the way they were living, according to Jeremiah. They have turned away from God's promises. They have worshipped other gods. They have been selfish with their commitments, and they have been sloppy with God's commandments. And as you heard in Jeremiah 5, God says to Jeremiah, run to and fro in the streets of Jerusalem and look around and take note, search the whole place and see if you can find one person who acts justly, who seeks truth. So I can pardon my beloved people. That's what God says to Jeremiah. There's truth decay in Jeremiah's time. So when you know the truth and... To preserve the truth, life has a certain shape. Worshiping and serving God, caring for the least, loving others, doing justice, walking kindness. See if you can find one person in all of Jerusalem who's acting justly, who's speaking and seeking truth. 
because it appears everyone is doing what they want and everyone has hard hearts and everyone seems to be moving away from God rather than to God, not serving God but serving their own selfish interests. God cares very much about truth and God cares very much how we live our lives in God's truth as truthful, faithful people. And we need constant reminders about this. Then we get to our lesson from Ephesians, from Ephesians 4. Listen to these words. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind or doctrine, by people's trickery, or by craftiness in deceitful scheming, But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us Speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you are marked with the seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and and be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. So the truth decay that affected Jeremiah's time back at the beginning of the 6th century, seven centuries later is still problematic, sounds like. According to this writer of Ephesians, this writer names people's trickery and deceitful scheming and in the face of that challenge we're called to be people of truth and people of grace and people who build up and share life and increase love this is the message in a world covered by deceit and scheming scheming this is how we are called to live covered by truth The truth of God's love, the truth of God's presence, the truth of God's care, sustained always by grace. We are to be people who share love and increase grace. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, is what it says. Put away bitterness and put away wrath and together with all malice. And be kind to one another. As we know too well, these words still apply to us. So, 15, 20 centuries later, it's still the same truth. And the call to live in God's truth still applies to our lives. God's people have always been called to live 
a certain way. Put away falsehood. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another as God has forgiven you. And we keep struggling with it. We keep struggling with it. Lies and complexities everywhere. God's truth covers us. God's truth focuses our lives about how we're to live. Loving, serving, building up, doing justice, caring, helping. And we keep striving for that. It's our calling. An important calling with much work to do. Some of us around Richmond have been reading Brian Stevenson's book called Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption. This book, Just Mercy, is the one-read book for the whole VCU community, the book that everybody is invited to read and be shaped by and talk about. It's also the one-read of the Union Presbyterian Seminary campus. Brian Stevenson is an African-American, a lawyer, a Harvard Law School graduate, and he's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. His book, Just Mercy, has won numerous awards, including being named top 10 best nonfiction books. This book basically lets readers in on Stevenson's life and his life's work, his efforts for truth and justice, especially for blacks in the Deep South. His clients are people on death row. But Stevenson also represents, very often, abused and neglected children who were prosecuted as adults and placed in adult prisons where they were beaten and sexually abused. Stevenson represents them. He has spent his career advocating for truth in the justice system In case after case, he has exposed systemic racism. He has exposed the tendency of juries who too often want complex cases solved at the expense of an innocent person's life. Stevenson paints a haunting landscape of injustice and racial inequality where the 21st century statistics show that one in three black males is likely going to end up in jail or in prison. And one in six Latinos in the 21st century is the same fate. And this is not the case in the 20th century, and it's not the case in the 19th century. It's our haunting and harrowing problem where we've gotten a long way from truth. Brian Stevenson is one person today who gives his life as Jeremiah was seeking around Jerusalem in 6th century B.C. Show me one person who's acting justly and seeking truth. I commend this story to you for inspiration and hope. Truth decay. Truth decay. God cares about truth. And God calls us to be preservers of truth. This is the truth. We were created, we're called, we're given life, we're given purpose. We're held always in God's abiding love. And in that truth, we live a certain way. We live a certain way. We've always been called to live a certain way. Loving God and loving God's people. We, we live seeking justice 
everywhere. We live sharing generously our lives every day. We live selflessly, caring and going where God most needs us. We live putting away bitterness and all malice and insincerity and anger. We live seeking to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another. This is truth. And the truth shapes everything about us. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take our moments. Take our days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Amen.